Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. We are excited today. We're doing something a little different. We are going to be going off-site uh, to a factory floor, uh, as well as a construction site. Uh, we're trying to make RealCom Live as interesting as it can be. I guess this is the roving reporter uh, side of what we do. Um, we're going to be visiting uh, the SLI 303 battery uh, in Seattle again. Uh, we haven't visited there, but we've talked about it on our show before. World's first prefabricated sustainable um, apartment building. And what we mean by that is prefabricated, built, components built off-site and, um, and then assembled on-site. This has been going on around the world for 20, 30 years in various uh, shapes and forms. But uh, we think they're doing something pretty special and may have finally cracked the code. So before we bring on our guests, let's play a short video of the project in SLI so you can get some understanding. And then we're gonna bring our guests live from the construction site and the factory floor. Things just take too long, too inefficient. Our industry has said for the last 75 years, there should be a way to manufacture a building, but no one's been able to pull it off. Early on, it was clear to us that incrementally improving the model that existed wasn't gonna get us there. So we started over from scratch. You have to be a product development company first. How do you make parts in a manufactured environment that can be assembled in the field as a building? That was the direction we chose and it's turned out to be the right choice. The goal is to build high-rise buildings in half the time, use half the energy, half the water, and be a better place to live. We're literally 70% less energy than the building across the street. The environmental performance of it, it just resonates. We're really proud of the fact that 303 Battery is the world's first net zero energy multifamily tower in the world. It's gonna be amazing what we get to do because of the way we've approached the problem and the technology that we've used to do it. I couldn't mention the SLI team without mentioning our factory team. We think it's really important to give people who have the fewest choices the most opportunity. The people that work here, people that buy our buildings, the people that live in our buildings, they all should be better off because of what we do. That's our hope. We're not just an idea or a notion. We're a growing technology company that is changing the way buildings are designed, developed, and delivered. All right. Um, with that, let's bring on Adam Rowe, Chief Operating Officer of Sustainable Living, and Carrie Cassidy, the Chief Construction Officer. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Good morning, Jim. Great. Good morning. And I'm going to apologize in advance. We're doing something technically a little challenging here. So if I go out, which we had some technical issues this morning, or you guys are really the ones that should be going out, you're out there in the Wi-Fi uh, broadband and uh, 5G, 4G, 3G world. So we pull this off. It's going to be pretty spectacular. <laughs> Thanks. For, and, and, and as you do and what you do for a living, thanks for taking the risk uh, in order to get us to the next level. So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with Carrie and Carrie about the factory floor and the assembly process. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as Jim said, I'm Carrie Cassidy, uh, Chief Construction Officer for Sustainable Living Innovations. 
Um, I have worked here at SLI for two years now. Um, I was brought over from the traditional construction world where I spent 25 years here in Seattle, uh, building commercial high rises and other projects around the city, um, but was looking for something new. So here we are at um, sitting at the corner right now of Third and Battery in downtown Seattle. Uh, and behind me, you can see the 303 Battery Project site um, where we're doing something new and special, which is building uh, Seattle and the world's first net zero uh, high-rise apartment building. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. Well, and, and so as I said that with the building over your shoulder, just a thousand questions come to my mind. First question is, what are your peers and the people in the neighborhood doing things the old way think about this project? I think people are pretty excited about it. Um, a lot of people come by and stop and ask what's going on. Uh, and a lot of people are very interested. Um, it definitely takes um, people who are interested and willing to think outside the box um, to come to a project like this because we're definitely trying really hard not to do things the old way. So you can't come into this with the mindset that we're gonna do the thing, do things here the way we've always done them in the construction world. Uh, that's just not what we're doing. Um, and even to call this a construction site is uh, a little bit of an old school way of thinking because what we're actually doing here is assembling a building, pardon me for the bus behind me, uh, we're assembling a building that was manufactured and built off site. Um, so it's it's pretty cool and fun to be a part of. So, I mean, I love the fact that you have history in the traditional construction industry. Give me like two or three really distinct differences. I mean, you know, really top of the mind, what is, is different between this process and the one you came from? Yeah, we're not bringing a bunch of, you know, raw material to this site and sort of stick framing everything in place. Um, that's not the way it's going at all. So we're trying to think about using less people on this project, um, using less raw material, having less waste. Um, so that's a big difference. We're also looking at um, using a standard kit of parts, right? So we've designed in-house um, a panelized system that can be applied to multiple different projects from a low-rise you know, five-story building to a high-rise 20-story building. Um, the building behind me is going to be a 15 story. So that's something that's really different about it is that we're designing it, we're designing something that's reusable. Uh, so, you know, from my traditional construction world, building high rise office buildings, um, every time you build one, you go back to the drawing board and you start from scratch and you design the foundation and you design the structure. Uh, we're, we're really trying hard not to do that here. So we're trying to eliminate a lot of the waste from both the design and construction process to come up with something that's more affordable and more sustainable. Now, just like in any other business, you get better as you attempt various iterations, right? You know, you learn yes. from your past mistakes. Um, yes. And given that this is your first one, it's I'm assuming you probably still have some learning to do, correct? Let me tell you about learning. We're learning a ton here and it, I couldn't be happier to be a part of it um, because the learning that's happening is accelerated. Uh, we originally thought that our learning curve was kind of by the building. So the first building was going to be this, the second building was going to be a little better, and the third building. What I've seen happen here is that it's happening by the floor. It's happening by, you know, during the steel and panel erection process that we have underway right now, and you can see that we're about halfway up our, the, the height of this building. Every time we pick up a panel and a piece of steel and put on another floor of this building, we're getting better at it. 
Um, as an example, the first floor of this building took about a month to install. That's the first floor. The most recent floor that we installed was going to be just over a week. So the learning curve is, is uh, we're making great strides in our productivity improvements and we're going to be able to take those productivity rates um, and advances and learning into our next buildings to make those even better as we move forward. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when um, when Adam comes on about you know the historical attempts at this over the last 50 years, actually. The first time I saw it was Disney doing it in the Contemporary Hotel uh, in Disneyland. And, and, and then and that kind of took a hiatus. And we saw it pop up again in China. And now here you are. And, and the sense I get is you're iterating very quickly, like you just said, and the results yep. are going to be pretty incredible. Now, um, one final thing I want to mention before you bring Adam on, let you walk across the street is I got to give you a lot of credit as a construction person who could could very easily take the, the position on technology like, you know, oh, it makes me nervous, it never works. Here it is, you're sitting on a corner in Seattle with a laptop using your hotspot, you know, yep. with the right angle. It looks like you were professionally framed. Good job. <laughs> I got to tell you, good job. <laughs> Excellent, thanks. Yeah, and, and again, thanks for taking the risk. It always, uh, we don't get anywhere without risks, and it's people like you who are charging hard and failing That's fast hard. and failing often, or gonna lead us uh, lead us into the future. So thanks. Let's bring in Adam, and then we'll come Absolutely. let you get across the stream. We'll bring we'll bring you back in in a couple minutes. Okay. All right, now we go over to the factory floor. Look how fast we do that from downtown Seattle. How far are you away? Hey, Jim, how's it going? Uh, we are about 40 minutes south of the job site uh, here in Tacoma, Washington uh, at our 93,000 square foot uh, manufacturing, really assembly facility here in, uh, as I say, in Tacoma, Washington. So was the location, the proximity to Seattle, the size, tell us a little bit about the selection of the factory. You know, why, why is it where it is and why is it the size? Yeah, so um, you know, one of the things is is definitely proximity to our job sites. Um, you know, we are we are really building and assembling the buildings here at the factory. Uh, you know, our fully integrated panelized system that has all of the integrated mechanical, electrical, and plumbing uh, systems uh, built into our panels. Uh, and so uh, we want to be able to get those to the job site um, as as efficiently as possible. And so proximity to our job sites is really important. The size of the facility was really driven by the fact that we need about four or five manufacturing lines when we're at full capacity. Uh, right now we have two fully operational lines and we have about two more that are about to come online. Uh, we're actually down here today manufacturing our next project. Uh, so 303 batteries actually been completed from the, from the manufacturing facility perspective. And we're working on our next project uh, for uh, DESC. Uh, the, uh, the thing that we really focus on with our manufacturing facilities is we believe that small regional facilities uh, to serve uh, uh, job sites in the, in a local region is the is the best path forward, um, and so that's also why we, we we have the size of facility that we do. So, is the ultimate idea to have multiple facilities um, throughout you know the country or in the world for that matter, where you pick a a center point or a bullseye, and then you can you can manufacture buildings for you know x miles of of uh, that center point. That's exactly right, Jim. The idea is, is that uh, much like our product, we want to build repeatable factories that we can put in, in regional locations in our target, uh, in our target uh, areas of, of, uh, of our buildings. 
And then what about the, you know, uh, I remember watching the, the, China, the broad uh, company in China, you know, the, the, the putting the panels on the trucks, loading them up, you know, with all the supplies. Tell us a little bit about how it gets from the factory floor to the job site. Yeah, actually, just about five minutes ago, uh, right behind me, uh, we had a we had a truck uh, that pulled into our facility here. Uh, we loaded it up with four racks of panels, um, and so that's that's how it leaves the facility. We back a truck up uh, to our to our loading dock here at the facility. Uh, we have racks uh, that contain a, approximately five panels per rack. Um, we then uh, put those uh, cover those with a tarp, um, and we ship them to a buffer yard about a quarter mile away from this facility. Um, and one of the great things about our product um, is it's, it's intended and designed with all materials that can uh, be exposed to elements, which helps a lot during the erection process in the field, but also helps us from a storage capacity while the building's waiting to be, uh, be assembled in the field. Uh, and so uh, we store about a quarter mile here from, from the factory. Uh, the, the balance of 303 battery is, is, is in that uh, buffer yard. Um, and then uh, as the project needs it, they call uh, to the buffer yard um, and the racks are then uh, placed on a, a, a flatbed truck and uh, taken to the job site where uh, where Carrie's team receives them and uh, hoists them into place. Wow. And you, now you said the materials were able to withstand weather. Do you mean the interior materials as well, like the walls of the apartment? Yeah, so the panels, the panels that go out uh, from here, uh, they basically are at what we would call a rough-in ready uh, or a cover inspection ready um, uh, degree of finish. Uh, so we don't have all of our interior finishes uh, on the panels when they leave here, but we're ready to receive our kit of parts uh, interiors that are installed at the job site uh, once uh, once the once the conditions at the job site are dried and weathered in. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's take a brief commercial break, and then we're going to bring back uh, both of you, and we're going to talk about uh, the assembly process, and then the technology in the building, and the ultimate goals and vision for the company. All right, there we go. Um, and I, I want to compliment you as well for your technical prowess and being able to uh, talk to us live from the factory floor. I gave Carrie a little kudos and I want to offer the same to you. Carrie, um, if you could move over just a touch so we can at least see one eye. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, so, so here we are actually in, in the building. Um, why don't you give us a little breakdown about what we're looking at behind you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm inside one of our apartment units here. Um, so what you see directly behind me is a demising wall, we call it. So this is a panel that was built at the factory that uh, where Adam is right now. Um, you see that there's ductwork and piping that's already attached to the wall. Uh, the wall came out that way. Uh, over on this side, as I pan, you can see that those are what we call utility walls. And that's where all the services, utility services for our building come up and down through the through the building. So our utility walls come out of the factory with um, an electrical busway installed as well of all, as all of our plumbing uh, risers um, and the electrical boxes that are that are uh, installed on the walls here. You can see with the red covers, those are marine marine grade electrical boxes that are also installed in the factory um, above me. You see the bottom of a floor panel. So that is going to be um, the ceiling of this apartment unit and the floor of the unit above. Um, so each one of these units is made up of wall, uh, demising walls on either side. And then on one end, we have utility walls. And then on the outside, outside here facing, 
we have a sliding glass window system and a balcony. So that sliding glass window system can open all the way, providing a beautiful space inside here um, that's, that's got a lot of natural light to it. Um, so it's really a, a really um, interesting and, and fun process to be a part of, to watch as people start coming into these units and building them out. Um, what you can see behind me in this unit is a shower pan. So that's one of the finished elements that's getting installed now. Uh, we're making final mechanical and electrical connections uh, and starting to install unit finishes. You can also see behind me on this side one of our finished kits. Uh, so Adam mentioned that we have finished kits um, that will provide all of the build-out components that go inside this apartment unit. And we dropped this in with the crane during our panel erection process. All right, maybe. Um, so let's talk about that. That looks like a bunch load of technology behind it. Okay, so I, I, you're using technology in the construction process uh, with you know Adam at the factory, and then you're installing it on the site. What does the finished product look like? I mean, I'm assuming that this thing is not just state of the art from the standpoint of the construction process, but also from the operational process. Tell us a little bit about what kind of features, smart building features, the building will have um, once completed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, in terms of what it will look like when it's done, uh, as both Karen and I have mentioned, we have uh, we have we have interior finish kits that we bring in. Um, we've developed a lot of uh, 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 proprietary systems for the way that the interiors go together. We don't have any drywall on the interiors. We have no paint. Uh, right. We're using all uh, uh, MDF panels uh, with aluminum extrusions to, to fit those in. Uh, and those will go and cover a lot of the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing and systems work that you can see already on the walls behind Terry. Uh, but one of the things that we've done from a technology perspective that will live in that wall cavity, uh, you know, between the, the panel that you're seeing there and the, and the finish, uh, uh, the interior finishes once applied, are a number of technologies uh, that will allow us, uh, allow us to um, uh, really monitor our buildings uh, as well as uh, have uh, tenants interface with the spaces in which they're living, right? Be able to, be able to really interface with their And some of those, uh, some of those uh, key features are around building maintenance, right? We have, we have leak detection, right? So in the event there were a water leak, the building manager will know about it before anybody. Um, you know, that's a, an example of a way that we uh, we have, uh, uh, you know. An now, were you were the, you two involved in the technology selection process at all? And what operating system, what hardware, what, you know, what different systems were you involved in that? We've got, a, a, you know, a team, a technology team, the uh, our integrated systems team that really uh, has been leading the uh, leading the uh, effort to to integrate these types of systems uh, into into our panels and into our buildings. Uh, so that they they've been really leading the edge uh, uh, on 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 the product selection for that. We've also got features. Uh, we have SLI Connect, uh, which is our uh, which is our proprietary software that we use to actually operate the building. And this allows not only for the uh, the, the uh, building manager interface, it allows for tenant interface. So our building. Uh, can sense if somebody has, you know, left their window shades open and you get a lot of solar heat gain for the day, the building will reach out to the tenant uh, as an example and suggest to them, um, you know, hi, you know, we, we're recognizing that you left your blinds open and you're getting a lot of solar gain in the building. Is it, is it appropriate if, if the building lowers the building, uh, the, the shades for you to, to begin to cool your apartment? 
So, um, so features like that that really allow allow tenant interface uh, with 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 our with our product. So I got two questions, and I want to start with Carrie, and then I'll come back to Adam. Carrie, we saw a guy behind you, you know, doing his job. And what do you, what do the people on this construction site, the traditional construction workers, think about this? Are are they open to it? Are they are they excited? Are they afraid? What what's the reaction of those guys on and, and ladies on site? They're excited, and we do have both guys and ladies on site, which is cool. Um, uh, and they're very excited about it. Um, I think one of the things that I've seen happen here is that people who've worked in construction for a long time um, are used to doing the same thing over and over. Uh, and those who are seeking a challenge and who like doing new things and learning um, are really excited about this because it gives them a chance to to try something new and also to see that they're making a change in the built environment. Um, they're doing. They're trying to contribute to something that's going to be more energy efficient. Um, we're trying to increase productivity, so we're seeing a lot of uh, engagement from our trade partners uh, that we're working with out here to help us actually contribute to making it better. I, I know when they were doing waterless urinals on the East Coast, they got a lot of resistance from the traditional players, unions, and such because it was new. They were fearful of jobs. Are you getting any of that up in, in your neck of the woods? Yeah, no, actually not significantly. And Seattle is a big union uh, construction city. Um, we do have a mix on this project of both union and non-union trades, uh, and they're working together quite well. Um, and I think SLI has done a good job of picking partners who are willing to come to the table and be that player for us. That's cool. uh, so that's that's contributed to it as well. Now, Adam, you had mentioned a couple seconds ago about an integrated technology team. You know, an integrated technology team at a construction company is not usually two things you hear in the same sentence, okay? Uh, so, especially to the level that you guys are doing. Of, of your peers, you know, folks you've been in the industry with for, you know, your career, um, how many of those companies have integrated technology teams? <laughs> well, very, very, very few, right? I mean, a conventional, uh, you know, general contractor is an example um, you know they're going to they're going to have a subcontractor that will provide whatever is specified for the building. Uh, you know, in our world, uh, if you think about the prefabricated and modular part or, or, or peers, uh, many of them are building what you know, we would refer to as you know sort of a, a dumb wall, right? A wall that you then have to fit out completely with the selected right. systems in the field. Um, and our view is is that at the end of the day, we are a product company, and in order to be a product company, you have to have a completely integrated system. Right. Um, that's really where we're, we're much different than our peer group is we're not providing one component of a building, uh, which is how a lot of people in, in, in this you know, perceived sector are getting after it by providing an element of a building or, or a specific system of a building that's done in a prefabricated or modularized fashion. We're really trying to provide a complete, holistic, integrated building product uh, that we can deliver to the market at the end of the day. So we, we all know that the construction and real estate industry is pretty stubborn, pretty conservative in, in their change, pace of change. At what point do they start paying attention? I mean, really, I mean, they may bob their head in and poke their head in and say, well, what's, this is interesting. But at what point do they say, holy cow, we better get onto this because we are, we're, we're, we're now peddling the old way and, and there is an obvious new way. Are we close to that point or do we still have a while to go? I think we're really close to that point. You know, we are we're seeing um, you know many uh, uh, general conventional general contractors, conventional developers, reaching out to us to really try to understand what what our product uh, value proposition is, right? And that's 
uh, you know, our ability to deliver a higher quality uh, end product uh, that you know really really aims to enhance the um, the health of of the folks that live in our building. Right, enhances the uh, the ability to interface with the building as we talk about uh, you know the technologies that we can leverage in within our product. Um, you know, as well as being incredibly sustainable. Uh, you know, and and those those elements are all integrated within our product, and in many ways. Uh, you can't get those in a conventional product or conventionally built building the way that we can deliver those in our product. And as a result, people are really starting to pay attention. And I think with the delivery of 303 battery, you're going to see a, 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 a lot of people who, who are going to stand up and, uh, and, and really, um, you know, uh, get involved in what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, okay. So one final question, uh, and I could talk to you all day and I apologize we can't, but I, I mean, I've been interested in this topic for a long time. If we use Disney's attempt at the contemporary hotel, uh, you know, with the prefabrication of those rooms that he slid in like shoeboxes, as the starting point of this modern attempt at, at what you are all doing, using a baseball metaphor, 303 battery, what inning, I'm sorry, what game, what inning, World Series, are you at right now? Wow, put on the spot there. Uh, I think you. I think we are. Uh, we will say it's. Uh, we're going to play a full seven game series. Uh, we're in game four of the World Series, uh, and we're we're in the early innings, right? I think that the what we're what we're about to achieve and shake up is is significant, um, but it's all about repetition and it's all about getting uh, the experience of getting our product out in the marketplace. And uh, while we've achieved a tremendous amount to date. Uh, I'm, we're all really excited about what's ahead of us, and we think we, we have a lot more that we can bring to, uh, to the marketplace. Carrie, would you agree with that assessment? Absolutely. We talk often about needing at-bats, and we've gotten a lot of at-bats here. Um, we've optimized our structural system. We have yet to optimize our, you know, some build-out portions. Um, lots of opportunity ahead, but I would totally agree with what Adam said. So two things that I walk away from this conversation with is number one, I can see the excitement and the passion on your faces. Okay. So like you said, in the construction industry, throwing that hammer for 20, 30 years can get a little boring. I don't see any of that on your faces. Uh, number two, I think you all realize that we're going to fail. You're going to fail a lot. And the faster we get through those failures, that's just called learning. It's not called failing. It's called learning, right? Yep. Uh, yep. And, and the third component is your willingness to take the risks necessary to advance this in a meaningful way, not just on a PowerPoint deck, but in real world, real life situations. So I want to thank you for all of that, your efforts, and uh, we're going to help get the word out as much as we can. Uh, and uh, congratulations on your journey. And um, when that building tops out, maybe we can get up there and get a tour. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jim. Really appreciate the opportunity. Same Thanks. here. You guys have a great day. All right. You as you well. Too. Thank you. You're well. Bye-bye. Wow, that, uh, I mean, we've done, I think, 75 of these, and I keep saying they're, they keep getting better. Uh, we took a risk with the technology on site, uh, both of them using, I think, uh, one was using a hotspot on a phone, the other using a Wi-Fi connection. Um, you know, these people are not IT specialists, but they figured it out. They took the risk. And then the message they delivered was off the charts. I mean, you saw with your own eyes, um, you know, the factory assembling these pieces, being rolled off on trucks. Uh, to be assembled on site. Carrie doing a wonderful job, you know, selecting, uh, collecting those panels, getting them up, and then finishing out the building. So great job to everybody at SLI from the vision down to the people, you know, I won't say pounding the nails in anymore, uh, assembling the panels. Great job. And uh, 
you have a lot to be proud of. So with that, we got a, a treat this week. Uh, Howard's off uh, on his music adventure. And uh, we have Nancy coming in to do the news. How are you, Nance? Oh, a treat this week. Thank you. I'm fine, Jim. We and do. happy so, to be here filling in for Howard. Yeah. So what did you think about that, um, that interview? Fabulous. Yeah. Such yeah, state-of-the-art yeah. stuff. It, I mean, it's amazing how long it's taken. As you mentioned, Disney started something so many years ago, and we're just now seeing it come to fruition. But, hey, worth the wait. Yeah, worth the wait. And they they are a, a really passionate, powerful company. And uh, uh, I just love to be able to report on, on great projects like that. So yeah. I'll get out of your way, uh, bring in the news, and then I'll see you back in a couple, sec a couple minutes. Okay. Very good. I've got a recap of a few of the articles from this week's weekly news brief, which is published every Thursday morning. Our lead story this week comes from Robert Fitzgerald, Regional Technology Director at JLL, titled Today's Digital Workplace Reconfigured. The article focuses on the evolving concept of the digital workplace and the opportunities for CRE teams to digitize operations. After two years of largely virtual engagement, the human experience we create in the workplace matters more than ever, and we know it needs to be highly digital. The article touches on some of the more common building blocks and technologies many organizations feel are necessary for moving their digital agendas forward. It underscores the importance of thinking through and documenting the outcomes they are trying to achieve long before identifying specific technology solutions. It also points out that ma managing space utilization will be key as companies begin to accelerate their hybrid work plans. Workplace utilization sensors and leveraging AI are in high demand as a means of helping companies collect intelligence on how and when space is being used. Having learned early in his career that data is king, Robert advises re readers about a variety of ways to centralize and normalize their portfolio and operations data prior to designing a data consolidation framework. Going forward, they'll be we'll be continuing to view this as a human first imperative, which means the future of the office will have to be human-centered, placing health and wellness at the forefront. The article summarizes that to execute this vision, organizations need to decide what makes a meaningful experience and create moments that matter in both the physical and digital dimensions. This was truly a great read. Thank you, Robert. Our second article came from our tech partner, LinkSpring, on the topic that's on everyone's mind these days, ESG. According to author Mark Peacock, 2020 was the year we saw ESG go mainstream in the built environment. He classified 21 as the year organizations began to seriously explore and transition towards ESG and start to figure out how they were going to achieve sustainable outcomes and impact. This has paved the way for a significant focus on sustainability initiatives in the future. We have seen many organizations make commitments and climate pledges to become net zero by reducing their carbon footprint. Real estate, corporate facilities, and sustainability directors are now on the front lines for operationalizing these ambitions and driving action at the building level. Mark reminds us that buildings are responsible for 28% of annual carbon emissions. We are now in a critical position where the decisions we make for our buildings could ultimately lead to two outcomes. Either the industry makes major changes that will aid the planet, or we make the problem worse, bringing an already dire crisis closer to the point of no return. It's clearer than ever that the global impact of carbon emissions attributed to the buildings industry needs to be treated with urgency and attention. 
And lastly, a shout out of congratulations to Don Goldstein. 5Q, a technology solutions company serving the commercial and real estate industry, has announced that Don will assume the role of CEO effective immediately. Don joined 5Q in 2018, bringing with him global experience as former CIO and CISO of CBRE. He has helped 5Q gain their reputation as cybersecurity experts for commercial real estate owners, operators, and occupiers. Best of luck to you, Don, in your new role. And that's a wrap for today's news. All right. So great job. And and I told you you would do great, and you did. <laughs> it's it's always I don't know about great, but well, hey, I, you know, great. you're always so busy taking care of things behind the scenes. It's always nice to see you come up and show your face and uh, and share your thoughts. So yeah. great selections of um, actually some really good articles this week. The one I, I bring one more attention to is the last one. Uh, I, I took a poke at it and it's uh, the future of work, how everything changed and what's coming next. I was just scanning through all the articles this week and, and it talks about this hybrid, the work from home experiment and now the hybrid experiment. Well, I will tell you, I just got back uh, last night from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I intentionally, have, I was there for an event and I intentionally walked the streets after the event. Mm-hmm. Something's different. I mean, we all know it's different, but I'm guessing that city was 20% occupied. The restaurants were not yeah. vibrant. The streets were not vibrant. No. The office buildings had security guards in front of every single one of them. Yeah. It was not the Charlotte or any downtown that I remember. So something's going on and, and either it's going to slingshot back to normal or three day work weeks, you know, in the office and home. But even at three days, that affects commerce and velocity and the ability to support those little businesses. And, mm-hmm. and so um, I think we all better keep our ear to the ground and, and keep an eye on, on as this weekly yeah. news brief does. So thanks for right. delivering that. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in there each week. Yep. All right. Um, thanks for that, having me. Thanks, Nance. Great job. All right, so let's take uh, a hear from, uh, from our final sponsor, and I'm going to come back next week, share a little bit about next week's show. All right. Well, you know, um, we have to mix and match our our, uh, topic selections with positive and innovative and exciting with uh, reality. Uh, And unfortunately, uh, our industry is being challenged a little bit right now. Uh, I would call it the defense. Offense is new innovation technologies, making buildings better, more fun, more engaging, more safe. Um, But uh, the reality is, you know, we've got the issue with cyber, but another issue has been really rearing its head, and that's the supply chain issues as it relates to impact on the smart building industry. Well, we're, you know, we're hearing, hearing supply chain issues uh, in every industry, but in our industry specifically, many, many of the chips and the boards and the controllers and the devices that go into our buildings uh, are manufactured in China. And uh, Richard Newberry and I have been having this conversation. He's the CEO of KMC. We've been having this conversation for uh, about a year now, and we actually featured him on this topic in the general session uh, in November in Scottsdale. Well, Richard's coming back uh, with some not so good news. Uh, things are not improving at the level we need. We see some little bit of brightness on the horizon, but maybe not enough. And we're kind of calling for the industry to come around this topic, uh, whether it's through legislation or lobbying or joint efforts to bring manufacturing back. But we're going to have a great conversation with Richard Newberry, CEO of KMC Controls, about the supply chain issues directly impacting our ability to produce next generation buildings. So don't miss next week. It's going to be a great show. 
With that, I'd like to say thank you to all of you who joined us uh, and who listen online later. You all have a great week, great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. Be well.